Hello, my name is Shay. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Um, As you can tell from the title, this is going to be my experience as um, a Palestinian, and this is going to be my way to try to amplify um, other Palestinians and the struggles that we've gone through and continue to go through um, because we are being ethnically cleansed by Israeli forces. So I just wanted to throw a few disclaimers out before I went into detail. Um, Recently, one of my tweets have gone viral um, regarding my uh, circumstance and my experience as a Palestinian, and I will read that and get more into that. And um, But yeah, I just want to start that with some disclaimers. The first thing is, is I want people to understand that this is my experience, but it's also the entire Palestinian struggle. So don't separate my experience from the everyday Palestinian struggle. This it's one. It's it the story is gruesome and it sounds like one singular horror story, but it's just one amongst many. It's not unique. Um, you know, and I don't want to um try to make it about just my family and my grandfather and our horrific experience as, you know, Palestinians living under occupation. I want people to fully understand that this goes on every single day. And this happened in the past, but like it doesn't stop. Um, So yeah, just want to make that clear. And I also wanted to make it clear that I'm not here to promote any type of hateful speech towards any group of people, regardless of their religion, um, their ethnic background, or anything of that sort. I'm just explaining my experience and I'm not going to sugarcoat it and I'm not going to compromise my morals um, because I've never done that and I'm not going to start doing that Um, and I'm just going to I'm just going to share what uh, what it's like and I'm going to share the stories of people who've given me permission to speak um, on their behalf and I'm going to explain some things I've witnessed um, from people I will never see again and you know, um, you'll start to understand more what I mean by that uh, throughout the episode. Um, yeah, I'm also not a teacher, so don't expect a PowerPoint with sources cited. There's plenty of information online, um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm not in school. I'm not here to do a research paper. This is just my story. So I'm not going to debate the ethnic cleansing of my pe- my people if you don't agree with me that's fine. I mean, it's very weird, but um, if you don't agree with me that ethnic cleansing is not all right, then there's no room for you, you know, here. And that's okay. There's plenty of room for you in other spaces. This is the first time Palestinians have gotten a voice and have gotten attention from uh, the world. And we are going to continue to promote and push our, um, our stories. So if you don't like that, like I said, leave. Uh, Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and get into the tweet. So a few days ago, I tweeted out my experience through a thread um, of being Palestinian and something very traumatic that happened to me and my family. And um, I will go ahead and read that and then just maybe add on to some things as I go through it. My Twitter handle is Musky Elon, M-U-S-K-I-E, Elon, E-L-O-N. 
All right. So the Twitter thread starts because of a account that says, I strongly suggest that all Palestinians spam tweet their experiences when visiting Palestine and how they face restrictions, brutality, and constant difficulties because of the IDF, which is the Israeli, Israeli Defense Force, which is the Israeli military, and Israeli settlers. So people who live in settlements. Um, in the West Bank. And again, not going to give you a history background story. I'm sorry. There is so much that's already been done and there's so much that already exists. And um, it's it's not really my job um, to argue uh, history or debate these kinds of things. This is a traumatic experience and I just want to explain that version um, of it all. So I start off by saying, my grandfather was murdered in front of our entire family by the Israeli forces. They made my mom carry his body down the stairs of our home while she was in her third trimester. Yep. And just to add on to that, she was also having contractions and they wouldn't let her uh, seek any type of medical attention. Um, I was five years old and they put a gun to my head. And to add on to that, it's because I wasn't complying and putting both my hands up. Um, and I think about it every single day of my life. And I do. I have noticed and I've come to terms with the fact that it doesn't bury in the back of my head. It actually exists, you know, within my being and uh, images get burned into your brain and they just never go away. So that's one of them. Um, I continued to say that they refused to allow him medical attention. So again, I'm referring to my grandfather, who is dead in front of me and my whole family's eyes um they blocked off all ambulances from entering even or everyone in the family was held at gunpoint um and made us leave our home in the middle of the night and my uncles and cousins were tied to trees and blindfolded so all they could hear was us crying and screaming um and they had no idea what was going on and they were helpless like i said we were all pulled out of our home in the middle of the night um and this just became the reality of that night. Uh, everybody in our village stood at their doors, not a very big village. So when commotion like this is happening, you know, uh, everyone is aware of it. And specifically for uh, this scenario, they brought the whole army, like, according to my cousins and my aunts and all the other people who live in our village that saw them approaching, um, they pretty much prayed to God, um, feeling as if there was no chance for any of us inside the home, just the way they approached it. Uh, the, the type of weaponry that they brought and the uh, amount of excessive force they used. Again, this is just a family home. It was me, uh, my aunts, my uncles, my, and my cousins, my grandma, my grandpa, you know, nothing crazy, just a family trying to get through. Um, my grandparents have lived in Palestine my entire life. It's, our home is generational. Um, and yeah, so, uh, this far into the thread, we're at everybody watching from their doors, not knowing what they're going to be, what, what they're going to do to us and not knowing, you know, how they can help, just feeling helpless. You know, my aunt was just praying and praying that, um, she didn't see her house explode or anything you know, of that nature. Um, but they were ready. Like I said, they were um, ready to jump in and help clean up the mess that these monsters created. 
Unfortunately, this mess was unfixable. We lost my grandfather way too soon. There is still a bullet hole that remains on the door of our home in Palestine from that night. Um, and after that tragedy, we did end up moving to America. And my, when I say we, I mean just me and my sisters and my mom. So <clears throat> before I get into what it's like, what it was like, and I guess still is like living in America post, uh, at this time it was post 9-11 and post this specific tragedy. I want to go back and get into a few more details about that night. Every single person had full fear that they were not going to leave a single one of us alive that night. Like I said, it was the middle of the night. We were woken up from our sleep and forced out of our home. My uncles were tied to trees with blindfolds. And that image exists within my brain so deeply. No amount of trauma is ever going to fix that. So... Once we we were walking down our driveway into our neighbor's home and all the chaos was happening and we'd just seen the image of my mother bringing the body down the stairs and it was quite a lot of stairs <laughs> that she had to carry a grown dead man down. Um, so we kind of uh, were just all over the place. You know, I was child. I didn't know what was going on. I was kicking and screaming, asking for my grandfather. I was angry with my mother because I didn't know where my grandfather was and I felt like she was keeping something from me. I saw that everybody was crying so I felt like this is the worst it's going to be. You know, when you see grown men and women crying, you know, in your arms essentially holding you, you don't really have a lot of hope for what, um, what the outcome is. And a few months prior to this, uh, they had, when I say they, I mean the Israeli forces. Again, this is the Israeli military that we as Americans fund $3.8 billion of US, U.S. taxpaying dollar to. Um, and they were using all the force necessary, like just throwing around my family and throwing us around. But sorry to get distracted to go back to what i was saying a few uh or prior to the night that i just described um they came in and they mapped our home it, palestinians are not unfamiliar with the concept of having your home mapped and what this means is essentially um israeli forces again will force their way into your home and they will map out um in the middle of the night and map out who sleeps in which room how many doors you have going in and out of your home, what you have in your home, what your what your sons are doing, where they've been, they get, you know, we get fully interrogated inside of our own homes and bombarded like this. Um so that they can have more control. And then for us, it was shortly after they clearly were did not like what you know the connection that we had in our family. You know, nobody in my family is of any relation to a terrorist group and I can't believe I even have to disclaim that but it's the one thing that I constantly get um in response to my family story is well sounds like your grandfather was just a terrorist dude my grandmother was the kindest 
weakest physically and like not a strong man but i can remember at five years old like he had there was no funny business you know it was just our existence is enough you know we we are a group that's being ethnically cleansed and when you are being ethnically cleansed the motive is to make sure that your group and traces of your group no longer exist so they get rid of as many palestinians as possible and like i said from the beginning of this um and i that might have been the first attempt i had at reporting but i wanted to clarify that when i speak on this i do come from a place of privilege because although i am fully palestinian i'm still here and i'm still able to explain the story and even though we lost my grandfather you know we weren't supposed to be we weren't supposed to survive that night and we did so you know not to go into too much details again i have a lot of concern about my family's safety so just know that the reason that we're still alive is is fully because you know we had privilege in that moment and we didn't didn't lose everything um and so i just remember you know the night that our house got mapped i just felt like something was off um i felt like something bad was coming but again i was only five years old so i have very small um remembrance of you know who i was or and what i was feeling in that time and that's so hard for me to admit because even though i don't want to accept this fact it feels like my life started that night even though i was already five years old because every prospect of humanity and of morality and of kindness just disappeared when you see someone with so much power and you know that you're powerless against this person, these people, you know, and they are just using that to the most of their advantage, to the highest extent of their advantage, to take away people's lives with no accountability and no responsibility for the tragedy, the generational trauma that you have now inflicted on me, my mom, my aunt, my sisters, my cousins, like none of us are ever going to fully recover from that. My grandmother to this day has not fully recovered. She still cries in her sleep, just begging for her husband because he was taken from her in such a senseless and tragic and evil way. And it just keeps happening. And it just continues to happen. That evil that stole my childhood, the evil, the greed that stole my happiness, that stole my ability to assimilate into the world and to continue to make friends and trust people. They stole that. They took all of that away because they want to be greedy with land that's not theirs, because they want to take, because they have an agenda, because Palestinian existence is just not enough of a reason to stop. Because people live in the homes that they're taking, it's not enough of a reason to stop. Because you're ruining generations, it's not enough of a reason. They, There is no capacity to their greed. And that was my first introduction to the world, to humanity, to society. That something so evil can be bestowed upon you and you can see something unfold in front of your eyes that is so cruel and it's so evil. And then you get on a plane to have a seemingly better life and you go to America and you just land at the worst possible time 
post 9-11 where all of a sudden you've become the enemy because people get to sit comfortably in their couch on their couch watching tvs and homes that will never be taken from them the way that they are from us somebody on fox news told them that we're bad people just generally just generally bad people not just palestinians but all brown people are bad people all muslims all arabs are bad people and that rhetoric and that agenda continues and still continues to this day i'm 25 years old and it still continues to this day that we are all just blatantly bad people and coming from what we had just witnessed and coming from what we had just seen i'm sorry to me it wasn't the arabs that were evil it wasn't the muslims that were evil you know it it was the humans in power it was the humans with guns it was the humans in tanks it was the humans causing these checkpoints and ruining weddings and graduations and it's the people that shot at my aunt and my mom as they crossed the the stage to graduate those were evil to me and they are still evil to me and i and that just created this insane bubble of anger that just existed within me and i was only five years old i just wanted to be a normal kid and just play and have fun with these people but they were telling me blatantly to my face you're not a good person and I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And this is a true story. In fourth grade, I had a girl who I thought I was friends with. You know, her. she had offered me that her mom could chaperone me for her, for our upcoming field trip. And I said, yeah, that's great. I, you know, I would love for that. My mom is a stay-at-home mom, so she has to take care of my sisters. She can't just up and chaperone um, field trips. So she offered and I said yes and the next day she came back to me she looked me in the eyes and she said my mom said that I can't we can't chaperone you because you're a Muslim and Muslims are bad people and I just chuckled I was like isn't aren't you Christian she said yeah I said okay well I want your mom I want you to go back and tell your mom and dad that Jesus himself is from the country I just left and she just kind of looked at me weird and was like okay and I told my teacher because I just was not having it and she tried to get this woman this grown woman to apologize to me to come in and apologize to me but she refused she wouldn't do it she the the most she could have done was write a letter in her daughter's agenda her daily planner and have her show it to me and it was i'm sorry for the language or something some bullshit apology you know a grown woman sitting on her dining room table having to write an apology letter to a kid because she discriminated against her like that was the kind of vibe that was the kind of beat and the the area i grew up in was very white so very country very much not accepting of brown folk to this day they just don't like us because of the media that they that they consume and the people that they put themselves around and the idea that we are just these evil hamas terrorists that cannot cannot be stopped they cannot be controlled and these same people have no idea that we are single-handedly funding with our own taxpayer dollars, including me, because I live in this country, we're we're funding this. We're funding these acts of terrorism and these and this insanely forceful and aggressive army, this military. Trust me, honey, Hamas is nothing in compared in comparison to the idea. Hamas is nothing as it is. They don't have a lot of strength, they don't have a lot of tools. But then to go 
and to say that you're scared of Hamas when you have the strongest military force, it's just propaganda. It's just an agenda that you're trying to promote. And I know that because I lived in the fucking land that you're trying to steal from us. I know it. I saw it. So you really can't pull one over on me. But you can on a lot of people who don't understand and who don't want to offend Jewish people and don't want to say anything wrong. And I understand that to some extent, but it's 2021 now and there's a lot more information to every story. And that's the idea that they constantly promote. There's two sides to the story. So why don't you look it up? Why don't you read on it? If there's two sides to every story, why are you only listening to Fox News? <laughs> but, you know, nonetheless, it's it's not it's not my argue, it's not my fight anymore. And when I say that, I mean stupidity like I'm not here to fight with stupid people I'm a very smart person and I have a lot of really smart people in my circle so I've found a way to heal some sort of trauma within me um, and through that healing process I was traumatized more and I had a therapist blatantly look me in the eyes and say oh but I'm Jewish I don't think I don't I, and I just kind of stopped her there I was like I don't think you should be inserting that. I was telling you about my grandfather's murder and how being Palestinian is so difficult. And she responded with, oh, I know. I, I wrote a piece in college about how um, Palestinians and Israelis fight, but they eat the same food. So there's just no point or something along that those lines. And I was just kind of like, I never want to see you again because I don't. I don't want to argue with my therapist about my right to exist. You know, I don't. And I just, I just want help and I can't find it. And I, and I still haven't fully found it yet. And I'm, I'm going to keep trying because I feel like I'm in a place where, you know, I have the ability to work through the, ther- you know, work with a therapist and work through the trauma and understand and to be able to speak about tragedies like this without spiraling and even though it does cause so much anxiety, I truly haven't slept right since I tweeted my thread. It, I've come a long way and I, and I want to talk about it, but I don't want to argue with it. I'm not going to argue my story. I'm not going to argue my existence. I'm not going to argue my trauma. Nobody else, you know, seemingly has to do that. And that's just not what I want for me because I have people who believe me and I have people who validate me and I don't I don't need yes men around me all the time but for this specific circumstance and in this specific situation there has been so much gaslighting that has been bestowed upon Palestinians especially I don't want to say especially but considering I am American too I I do want to say like there is this weird privilege of being far enough to where you can speak on it far enough removed not removed but like far enough from the actual bombings and the checkpoints and the war zone where you can talk about it and with that being said there is still censorship that happens to arab americans and palestinian americans and there is the risk of not being able to go back to palestine because of how outspoken we are or for the groups that we joined and i want to get into that because there is a literal 
website registry that Israelis have that put Palestinians on it as if they're some kind of terrorists because they spoke out against Israel because they joined SJP, which is Social Justice for Palestine, which is a group that a lot of colleges have that bring together, you know, all groups of people that want to fight for Palestine. Um, and they have Israeli spies that show up to these events. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. They have people that show up to these events and they take roster of the people that are here and they go back to this website, which I'm not going to say the name. You can look up, look it up. And they register people and they put their pictures on this website saying that this person is a threat. And when they go and try to go back to Palestine, they get denied because they're being told that you're a threat. You're some kind of security threat. Making an Instagram post is not a threat. Speaking about your experience as a Palestinian. And speaking of going back to Palestine, I want to talk about how difficult it truly is to go back to Palestine as a Palestinian citizen, someone that holds a Palestinian passport. So because I am a Palestinian passport and because anyone holds a I'm not a Palestinian passport because I hold one. And anyone that also holds one is not allowed to fly directly into the airport, which was once a Palestinian airport, but now is in Tel Aviv. So I actually would have to, as long as well as everyone else, I'm speaking from my experience, but this wrote this applies again to all Palestinians who hold a citizenship. I have to fly to Jordan, okay? And then I have to cross the border through the the checkpoint system that they've put in place between the border of Jordan and Palestine. And since they're bordering neighboring countries, if you were to drive through that border just straight through, no checkpoints, it would take about an hour, um, maybe a little bit more, but just about an hour. But as a, <laughs> as a person trying to enter their own country, oh, you better believe it's way more difficult than that. So you go through and in excessive amount of baggage check you can't bring anything valuable because it'll get stolen from the people who are checking the bags or it will get tossed around thrown around and broken um you're sitting on a bus many buses by the way to just a bus get off bus get off every few checkpoints um the soldiers come in and they check everyone's passports um and they also have the have had the same greyhound buses um for every year i've i've gone back and i'm pretty sure I could bet that the same buses are still in use. They have no air conditioning. They put more people on the bus than fits. Um, They let the bus sit, just sit, exist at the checkpoint while the Israelis sit in their um, towers and the nice, you know, cooled air conditioning. And we sit in these buses sometimes in 100 degree heat with all the extra uh, excessive body heat and we're packed in like we're animals and we're treated like we're just so inconvenient tell me how you put the most insane irrational line of checkpoints between the palestinian and jordanian border and you treat the palestinian people like they are inconveniencing you while they are trying to cross it it costs so much money to cross the border and fees can just keep keep getting tagged on it never stops um so it's a huge risk. And then you can also just be denied at the end of it all. So it's very risky. I've had family that's gotten kicked out in the middle of the border towns, um, pretty much left for dead. There's 
There was no one around, no cell service, no one to help. Um, and I did touch on this in the thread, but it was towards the bottom. So I don't think it got the proper attention that it deserved. But um, in my thread, I spoke about how one specific time when I was a little bit older, um, I was on the border crossing with my family. It was very, very hot. We had those like um, fans, um, like handheld fans, not the battery powered ones, but like just the handheld, um, pretty, you know, uh, Asian fans. Um, And we brought them with us because we we knew how it goes. We knew the gig, but we were trying to get to Jordan um, for an event um, that couldn't be done in Palestine for, again, ridiculous restrictions for no good reason. And we're sitting on this bus and in walks in this little boy and his brother. And the little boy, the younger brother, is covered in burns, like severe burns from head to toe. Like he has spots of hair on his head left. He's so, so, so tiny and he's so fragile looking. And when he gets on this bus, immediately my family gets up and gives the seats to this family. And my mom and my aunts are so social and wonderful and they just were chatting with the older brother and just being like, you know, this is ridiculous. Like, this is not, this doesn't, as you can probably assume, this is not the type of environment this kid needs to be in. He needs serious, serious medical attention. And the brother said, that's what I'm doing is I'm trying to get him to Jordan for medical attention, for for real and good medical attention. Not that the Palestinian hospitals are bad by any sense. They're just, they don't have the resources that they need because of the restriction, because of living on the occupation. And when I say the occupation causes issues across the board, I mean across the board. So this is a perfect example. They don't have the tools necessary to get him the proper help that he needs. And he, his only choice at this point was to just leave his brother in Palestine and just give him subpar care or get him to Jordan, you know, and pray to God that they have some kind of empathy on this kid and they make the, the trip as easy as possible. But they didn't. You can technically apply for a permit to cross the border in an ambulance um, for medical reasons, but they denied the child the permit. And when I say that is just pure evil. There's just no other reason. There's just, you cannot ever drop a reason for me where you made a child cross a rigorous border to get to medical attention covered in burns. And this kid was overheating. We had, to, and I'm not a doctor, and I don't I'm not say, sitting here trying to say we saved his life by any means. But like everybody in my family was taking those fans, and we were just going to town just trying to keep him as cool as possible and I think about that kid all the time and I I don't know what happened with him and I don't none of us know what happened with him you know it was a different time it was um I would love to know but unfortunately the the truth of the matter is is I probably don't want to know what happened to him because from where we left it it wasn't going great and it's it continues to be so bad and so awful and and I think people will argue Maybe that the border has gotten a little bit better, but the fact that there is a border to get into your own country because you hold the citizenship, I don't care about 
the loose ends that they tied up. I don't believe the border should exist. I don't believe the people who should be there. And I am a person who's crossed that border many of times. And I, I'm not going to change my mind. I think I have every right in the book to book a ticket to Palestine and go to Palestine. I believe Palestinians have a right to an airport. I believe Palestinians have the right to the airport that was originally theirs. I believe Palestinians have a right to travel in and out of their own land freely. Period. That's 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 what living under occupation steals from you. It steals your ability to just go from point A to point B without a checkpoint in between. It steals your ability to plan something like a wedding or a graduation and have no fear and no expectation that a checkpoint isn't going to ruin it all. That the Israeli forces aren't going to ruin it all. They just live to continuously harass and make being a Palestinian as miserable as possible so that eventually we give up and we leave. And now, to this day, you know, we're at the point where they don't care about Palestinians wanting to leave anymore. They're just fully moving into their homes. And they've done this in the past, and they continue to do this. But the biggest difference now is we have social media. We have cameras. We don't have to wait for CNN to start reporting when Hamas strikes back. We can can have all been completely engaged and understanding of the fact that there were many events leading up to this moment and that Hamas is a result of an oppressed group trying to resist and that's it and I don't support Hamas I'm not saying I do it's just when you occupy land you cannot you militarize and occupy occupy land you cannot expect that people are not going to resist that we're not weak. We're not going to just take it. We're not going to just sit down and die. We're not going to move out of our, our homes that have been in our families for generations. We're not going to let you burn down holy sites on holy days and it just gets swept under the rug. You know, Gaza is currently in shambles right now. And Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, who is also a convicted felon, I would love for more people to talk about that, Um He's stolen from Israelis and he steals from Palestinians. Like there's no, there's no end to it for him. So just, just a reminder of the kind of people that you you support. And if by any chance you're Jewish, um, Israeli, and you are listening to this, I, I highly doubt it, but if you are, okay. And you've been pro Israeli your whole life because of the information that you were fed. Um, I would really love for you to know that it's not too late. (laughs) to do your own research and make up your own mind because if you are a good person and if you're listening to a Palestinian voice right now then there is an inkling inside of you that feels that this is not right and it's okay to not agree with your parents and it's okay to not agree with your aunts and your uncles and it's perfectly okay to form your own opinion okay I don't agree with some of my uncles and some of my aunts who are Palestinian okay I don't agree with everybody who's Palestinian I am the most obnoxiously opinionated person I and a lot of my family know so be that person in these situations be be on the good side so you can tell generations to come that you did the right thing that you changed that you pivoted when it was necessary that you opened your own eyes and you used your own ears and you listened to Palestinians because people ask all the time recently especially what can we do for Palestine 
here's the thing. You can listen. Listen. Because Palestinians have been telling you exactly what they want for decades. I'm talking 70 plus years. And 70 years is a long time, but it wasn't that long ago. So remember that, okay? And remember that this is happening right now. You're currently in a situation where you can be on the right side. Maybe you can't solve it. I can't solve it, okay? We're not asking you to do that. And I'm speaking to everyone, even the people who have been just centered in this situation, who don't want to speak out about it to offend either side. Do your own research. Use your own heart. Use your own brain. Move with your own intentions. And we'll see where you end up, okay? And that's all that we can ask. Palestinians have been telling people, support BDS, boycott, divest, sanctions. Look into it. There's a website. There's an Instagram page. There's everything possible. There's infographics that have been have been drawn out so beautifully to represent the information. There's sources that you can find that that back up those infographics if you're not the kind of person who can just be influenced. And you shouldn't be a kind of person who can be influenced by one single infographic. But remember what our textbooks were in middle school. And remember that almost all Americans who went through the American public school system or private school system, I just went to the public school, so that's what I'm speaking on. We all can kind all come to an agreement that the version that they gave us about the Native Americans and the version that actually happened were two very different things. So why do you think it stopped us there? Why do you think that is the only version that was boiled down to be more palatable for the people? This is the same thing. Different, but the same. So listen. Listen to Palestinians. Listen to understand, not to respond. Hear us out and speak up because we are so strong as people, but we're also so incredibly tired. We've been saying the same stories for decades, and we have more unfortunate stories that continue and situations that continue. And listen to the way that Israel responds and how they defend themselves because they want to use the defense mechanism so badly. What are they defending themselves against? Think about that. Ask yourself, what is going on? Why do they need to defend themselves so aggressively? And why are people, kids, Palestinian children, dying in response to their defense? And that's really all I have to say. I would love to answer as many questions for people who are genuinely interested and genuinely curious. You can find me on Instagram. It's banterbees. Um, send me a message, send me a DM, follow me. I'll try to follow you back. And let's let's talk about it. And let's keep the momentum going. And let's keep Palestinians in our forefront of our brain and not let this slip up and not let this happen again. And then we can always say that we are part of the liberation. Because if you're listening and you're thinking and you're taking notes from me and you're listening to all Palestinians and all of their struggles and all the people who are brave enough to put their face on the internet with blatant like uh what was the word i'm looking for here with blatant promotion of palestinians and you know it's it's not easy for us because there is a lot of repercussions that we have to face because of our support of our own people so help help us that's that's one thing you can do um thank you so so much for listening to me rant um this went way off course than the outline that i drew up so I may have missed some stuff, and like I said, I would be happy to answer any questions that you have. So hit me up. I'm here. I'm just a person. I'm a human being. 
Don't come at me rude. I'm sensitive. Thank you. Goodbye.